My name is John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to pick up where we left off last time, and that is with my dad right here in the studio with us, Charles Redmond. He is the senior pastor of First Baptist here in Pasadena. And Dad, thanks for joining us again today. I know you're a busy man, got a lot to do, but thanks for giving us some time on the radio today. Well, I, you know, John, I have to do my job and your job, so that does keep me very, very busy, but I'm delighted to be with well, you. Well, we're glad you're back. And, you know, last time on our most recent broadcast, we were talking about how God calls people into the ministry. And I was just asking you some questions about how God had called you, and you you shared about how you knew that God wanted you to be a minister and and how you were 27 years old at that time, and you had quit college, and you were established in the business world, and you had to go back to college. Eventually, you had to, uh, after you graduated college, move from Georgia, where all of our family has always been. You came to Texas. God led you and my mom to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where you got your master's degree. And while you were there, you served on the staff at Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth with Dr. James Coggin, not only as your pastor and your boss, but your spiritual mentor, and he really became your father in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if we could just pick up there and, and continue thinking about God's call, because the purpose of what we're trying to do today in the studio is to encourage those of you listening today who may be wondering whether or not God is calling you into some kind of position of ministry. And we know that just like God calls us to be saved, God has a plan and purpose for our life. And for some people, he calls us into the ministry. God calls other people to be doctors and lawyers and teachers and coaches. And, but, but he calls some people to be, to be in the ministry. And that's what he's done in your life. And it's what he did in mine. So after you had been at Travis Avenue for a couple of years, maybe three two and a half. Okay, three years, and you were about to graduate from Southwestern Seminary. Uh, tell me, tell us what happened and where God led you from there. Well, I will. Let me go back to that call and make one statement, then I will address sure, that. Sure, sure. Your call is the most important thing if you're going to be a minister because it's what sustains you. And you know, John, you've watched me interview prospective ministers to work at our church over the years. And I always talk to them about their call because what I know is in years to come, in time to come, ministers like everybody else, they go through some challenging things. And if they're not confident and convinced of their call, they won't stay in the ministry. Hmm. Your call is what gets you into the ministry, but your call is what sustains you in the ministry. Now, having said that, you're wanting me to address... Well, I'm just interested. How You know, you graduated Southwestern yeah. in Fort Worth, Texas, and then you ended up being the pastor at First Baptist Church, Lenore City, Tennessee. I'm right. not asking you to give every last detail of that, but yeah. kind of tell us how that happened. I think it'll help us understand how God calls Well, you. as we were... Nearing graduation, of course, churches uh, begin to look at graduates and begin to talk to you about maybe coming to their church. And we were talking to like three or four churches. I don't remember exactly. And yet at Travis, this, just, this shows how God works. The student minister at Travis had married a girl named uh, uh, Patsy Sewell. 
And her father and mother were members of the First Baptist Church in Lenore City, Tennessee. Hmm. And he just simply had said to them, I think we have a minister on our staff that would fit your church. And so that started it, and we went and visited with that church and that pulpit committee, and uh, Pat's his father was on that committee, and we ultimately became pastor of that church. Now, that said, the, the interesting thing is we were also dealing with the church in Kentucky. We were talking to the church in Georgia. In fact, on the same trip, we were dealing with three different churches, talking to them wow. and they, us. But when we went to First Baptist North City just to visit, that same feeling, this is very important, that I had when God called me in the ministry, that same feeling that I had when God made clear to me we were to move to Texas and go to Southwestern Seminary, I had that very same feeling about going to First Baptist Church in North City. I felt called to go there. Wow. So was that feeling, was it just like, uh, did you just feel uh, like you were home when you visited? I felt at home. I felt peace. It's, it's hard to explain. Hmm. I mean, we were talking to one church in Georgia that was maybe an hour from our home, and we visited with them for two days, and I felt as not at home as anywhere I've ever been. Wow. And then in Kentucky, we were talking to a great church in Covington, Kentucky. I mean, a really good church. But I just, I could, I felt claustrophobic. I hmm. just thought, boy, they were good people. They were sweet people. And then I go visit this Tennessee church, and I had that peace. You know, wow. peace is how you know, John. Yes, it is. If you don't have peace, that's not, God's, God gives peace. And so that's kind of how we got there. And so to those listening today, as you're thinking about God's will and trying to discern God's will in your life, look for that peace. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy. No. I mean, he's talking about at one time moving from Georgia to Texas and now moving from Texas to Tennessee. These are not easy moves, but when that peace is there deep down, you just know it's the right thing. And now, Dad, this was the time in my life when I began to have memories. You know, I was I grew up in East Tennessee, First Baptist of North City. Those are some of the greatest memories of my life. I love those folks over there. And you pastored that church. What was it? for eight years, nine years? Almost nine years. Almost nine years. And then we see God's call resurfacing as you ended up leaving uh, First Baptist Lenore City, Tennessee, and our family moved back to Texas, this time to First Baptist Church in Sulphur Springs. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. First of all, I never had any desire to come back to Texas. Really? So, no, I I didn't have a non-desire. It just, that was not on my radar screen. Interestingly, the First Baptist Church of Sulphur Springs visited with us uh, three years before we actually went to be the pastor. And you went with us on the trip, little Joel, too. And we went out and visited, and they wanted us to become the pastor. And I just didn't have, I just didn't have that feeling that we were to leave our Tennessee church and go to Sulphur Springs, Texas. And so we said no. Three years later, that same church came back and mm. said, look, we felt three years ago that you should have come to be our pastor, and now we, we've, uh, we've come back, and we want to ask you, would you think about coming to be our pastor? Now, before they ever came back, God already put in my heart that we were going to be leaving Tennessee to go to uh, Sulphur Springs. In fact, I went home one Friday and told Dottie, I said, I think we'll be going to Sulphur Springs First Baptist. She said, boy, have they called you? Are they without a pastor? I said, yeah, I just read the pastor had left. And no, they've not called me, but I just know they will. And when wow. they came, I know this sounds kind of mystic, but uh, they came, and uh, 
it, it, that story is long and I won't have time to go into. But So we go to First Baptist Sulphur Springs to be the pastor. But, but the point I make is the same feeling of my call, my seminary, Tennessee, I had that same feeling to go to Sulphur Springs. So even the first time that the Sulphur Springs Church came to Tennessee to meet with you, God was in that, even though it was he not— He was preparing me. Again, he was preparing you, and then he actually led you eventually to go to Sulphur Springs. And you pastored there for about—it was eight years, a little over eight years, uh, I guess. Eight and a half, nine years. Eight and a half, like nine years. Great ministry. Those are some of the greatest people in the world in Sulphur Springs. And Joel and I grew up there, had our teenage years there, and just had—just like in Tennessee, we had a great experience in Sulphur Springs— and then the First Baptist Church from Pasadena, Texas, which is where we both are now. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about how God called you from Sulphur Springs to Pasadena. Well, boy, that's a long story, but I can't go into all that. In a nutshell, uh, I talked off and on with the First Baptist Church of Pasadena for a year and a half. When they first contacted me, I had absolutely no feeling or desire to leave First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs. We loved Sulphur Springs. It was, uh, we, we felt at home there. We, we just loved everything about it. So I guess I'd have to admit in the flesh, I was very comfortable in Sulphur Springs. And the thought of leaving East Texas and coming to the monstrous area of Houston, Texas, right. just was not in my mind, what I thought I wanted to do. And so during this year and a half, they would, uh, you know, they looked at a lot of different people. And on several occasions, I just said, I just feel like that is not what, you know, God wants me to do. And finally, that really kind of left my mind. I heard no more from them. But one Thursday, uh, it's a strange experience. I was walking through the worship center of First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs, Texas. No one was in there but myself. And I felt this urge to stop and kneel at the altar and pray. And I began to pray a prayer that I, the, only the Holy Spirit would have put this prayer in my mind. I said, Lord, this, this Pasadena church, if you want me to go to Pasadena, and I remember I've not heard from them in a good while. Hmm. I've said to them two or three times, I don't think this is what God wants me to do. So that that was all over and finished. But I prayed, God, if you want me to go to Pasadena Sunday morning, have their pulpit committee show up at my church. Hmm. Now, John, that— You uh, kind of threw out a fleece well, almost Well, I'm not sure biblically what I did is even biblical. Well, okay. it, well I don't know. It's well, not the Lord may put that on well, your heart. I, but anyway, I got up, and sh- I thought, I'm losing my mind. I don't even believe in that kind of stuff. It's Thursday— and I'm saying I want a comedian here on Sunday. Hmm. Well, Sunday morning in the 11 o'clock service, actually, I'd forgotten the prayer. I'd thought no more much about the prayer. Uh, it didn't seem like my kind of praying. But I go out there and sit down, and I look up, and I see scattered across the room wow. members of the First Baptist Church Pasadena Pulpit Committee. And I knew then that I was going to Pasadena. So— I know it sounds kind of way out, but, you know, God does things in different ways. But I had that feeling of peace hmm. that this is what I was to do. And little did I know, John, that in the years to come, that peace that God called me to First Baptist Pasadena 
would indeed sustain me in First Baptist Pastor. Wow. You know, as I hear you talk about that prayer you prayed on that Thursday, I, I do think, Dad, the Lord put that in your heart because that's not the type of prayer you would normally. I, I don't pray that kind of prayer. I, I'm not much on throwing out fleeces to God. I, right. I mean, like it's at two out of three, and then if that doesn't right. work, it's three out of five. Right. It's five out that of seven. That could be a dangerous You know, thing. you can get, you know, rolling dice for God. It's not the right. way to do it. No, it's so, but, but in that case. In that case. I guess God knew my old uh, my old mentality was going to have to go at it a little different way. What did you think on that Sunday morning when you looked out there and saw the Pasadena folks in that congregation? I knew I broke out in a sweat. You knew you were gone I from Sulphur Springs. I knew it was over in Sulphur Springs. And see what made that hard? I didn't want to leave Sulphur Springs. Why? One reason I didn't want to leave, Joel was still senior in high school. And that meant I was going to be leaving my wife and my son. I wasn't going to move him his last six months in high school. I'm going to move to Pasadena by myself and live in a little condominium and leave my family behind. And I mean, that just was alien to me. So nothing about that would be what I would want to do in the flesh, but I had a piece. Now, I can remember very well this season of life because I was at Baylor. I was probably the least affected by this move, at least in the short term. I got affected later on, but I was least affected in the short term. And the decision was made by you and mom, of course, uh, in, in, as you talked about this, that God had indeed called you to Pasadena. What was that like as a husband and a father to have to be separated from your wife and youngest well, son for six months. Well, first, I had to be patient and know that Dottie had to sense the same thing I sensed. And she had to come to that conviction with me. I mean, it's not just something I can I mean, you never up. would have made that decision without her on board, no, obviously. No. I, I just believe if God calls me to do something, he would at least put the desire in her to be obedient to that call. And I know that was a tough time for her, too, yeah, as it was yeah. for you. Talk a little bit about those six months, Dad. You you resigned the Sulphur Springs Church. Yeah. You moved to Pasadena. As you said, you lived in the in the townhome. Yeah, well, uh, interestingly, when we resigned the church, uh, we sold the house there real quickly. But the man that bought the house was so kind— he let my family— Hoyt Gideon was that Hoyt man. Gideon. He let my family stay in the house until graduation. Hmm. And, he said, I, I, and, and, and he said, you just pay me rent every month. And, uh, and the day we closed the house, which was in June, six months later, I handed him the check for my rent, and he tore it up. Really? He said, no. He said, you've buried my parents. you buried my wife's parents. I want to make a deal with you. When I die, you come bury me, and my wife's not going to pay your travel expenses. <laughs> She's not going to pay you to preach my funeral. Wow. But that's the deal we made. And, John, it was a very short time later I went back and preached that man's funeral. Well, he was how kind man. he was to let Dottie and Joel stay in our home so we didn't have to disrupt them that way. Wow. Betty still lives in that home today, I believe. The Gideon still, or his wife does, yes. Yeah, I think she still lives in that home today. And so you came to Sulphur, uh, to, from, from Sulphur Springs to Pasadena. What was it like those six months when you and, because you and mom had never been geographically separated ever before. What were those six months like? Well, horrible. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I not only left Dottie and Joel, I left my church staff that I'd worked with so long. So I'm in a new church with no staff member I've ever worked with, uh, with really nobody I knew other than the puppy committee. I just knew them in that in that role, and so you know, you, you just you just the the one thing that that I had with me was God. You had God. Now you're starting over again for the third or fourth or fifth time in your life, and at this time you're what about fifty years of age, 48, 49? forty eight, forty nine years of age. Okay, right in there somewhere. So. 
this is not necessarily an easy place in life to just to just start over, but no. but you did that, and and during those six months, now I know you would fly back to see her, and she would come see you, yeah. and so you were able to do those things. But wh- let's kind of move now, Dad. And I, I know after my brother, gra- after Joel graduated from high school, he and Mom ended up moving down here, and so now the family is is pretty much back together with me at college. But what were those? I want to talk for as much time as we have here today. Those, those early months and years in Pasadena. As you were the pastor, the church uh, was began looking for uh, some land, and the church ends up relocating to this new land. You want to talk just briefly about that? Well, yeah. First of all, when I came here, I didn't have any idea we'd be relocating the church. Uh, there were those in the church that saw the church they thought needed to relocate, and there were others in the church that thought the church should never relocate. But I didn't even know that was on the docket, actually. But I'd only been here a short time till we appointed a long-range planning committee to study whether to enlarge the facilities we had or to consider the possibility that we needed to find land elsewhere and just relocate the church. And uh, those were hard years because that's a very emotional thing. It's a very hard thing. And, uh, you know, God has affirmed in my conviction that we did exactly what we should have done. And I think he's affirmed that to many, many others. But nonetheless, that goes back to that old saying, uh, right's not always easy, but right's always right. Where God guides, God provides. And, you know, we we just uh, we were sure of our call, and God made finally clear that same feeling that brought me here. I had that this is what the church needed to do, and so uh, the church voted to do that. Two thirds voted yes, and one third voted no. That's the Baptist way, you know. <laughs> and uh, two thirds more than one third. And I said before the morning we voted, whichever way the vote goes, I will submit to that. I'm going to be the pastor of First Baptist Church, Pasadena, wherever we are, and you just vote and tell me where I'm going to be. Well, I remember that because uh, that was not an easy time, and we the church did vote to buy that land, and it kind of gets back, and I guess the reason I bring that up today, it's the old principle and something that I've heard you say through the years, that God leads us one step at a time. Now, when First Baptist, Pasadena, voted to buy the land where we're now sitting, and now, Dad, when people look at this, it is so obvious. I don't think anybody could question, or I've, I've never heard anybody question at this point that this is God's will. It's obvious that it was and is, but back then, it wasn't so clear. God bought us to buy the land, and then a few years after that, we put up some temporary buildings, really, and we began in June of 1994. You guys did. I was By this time, I'm at the seminary myself in Fort Worth, but y'all began to have worship services at the new on the new property, and we were still having worship services at the old location. And so, so everybody can get this in their mind, like at 8.30 on Sunday mornings, I may be wrong on the times, but they had a worship service at the downtown church, 945, a worship service on the new property, and then back to the downtown location at 11 o'clock. And then at night, you had night church at the downtown location. You spent a lot of time on those Sundays driving back and forth from one location to another. Five years. We did that to the day. Five years, preach downtown location, then drive out here and drive back downtown, then Sunday night. Tuesday Bible lunch, Wednesday night. Yeah, it's amazing you didn't have a nervous breakdown. With all <laughs> well, those that's sermons. why I'm in the shape I'm in now. <laughs> but anyway, five years to the to the Sunday we did that. 
And, you know, during those five years, you know, a lot of the members that were really supportive would say, Pastor, tell us, like, how this thing's going to all end. And I'd say to them, I don't know. Hmm. God God just shows me one step at the time. And I think some of the people thought you were holding back. You knew yeah, something that you weren't you telling know them. You how church people are, John. <laughs> right. they, can, they can stir up more stuff and you can shake a stick. But, right. but you know, I, the truth is, you know, we built phase one, and then in time we built phase two, and then in time we've completed with phase three. But, you know, I never had— I never, I never dreamed how this would wind up. Well, it was an amazing thing to watch. In retros, you talk about hindsight and looking back on it. Somebody has said the providences of God are like Hebrew words. They can only be read backwards. Right. And so looking back on it, we see God leading us here, God leading us there, God leading us here. But at the time, you can't see all that. And I know, as you say, for five years, our church was having church at two locations. In fact, we had a big marquee, a big sign here in town, big billboard that said First Baptist Church, Pasadena, one church at two locations. We were doing two locations when two locations wasn't even cool. I mean, now that's everybody's right. got multiple. Yeah. That's the kind of the thing yeah. now. We're, we're, I mean, we're I mean locations. Yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. But we were doing it before anybody was doing yeah. that. And the question was, are we always going to have two locations? And you would say, I don't know. And you uh, didn't know. Yeah. Tell us what happened in about 1997, uh, one of the Hispanic churches in Pasadena approached you and said, hey, we want to buy your downtown facility. Well, the school, Pasadena Schools, had a bond election, and it passed. And the people were not only able to vote on the bond election, but vote where to build the new high school. And they voted to build the new high school back in the old era. And that was going to take a Hispanic church. And so they, the schools offered this Hispanic church far more money than their building was worth. And that gave them the money to come and make us an offer, and they wanted to buy our church. And so, you know, we, we ultimately sold—we didn't sell our church. We sold our buildings. And the wonderful thing is that church today continues to grow. I mean, they need to enlarge their church. Hmm. So, you know, God was working on both ends step at the time. And, you know, I've sometimes people say, boy, this thing really turned out great, didn't it, Pastor? And I say, you know it did. I'm the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> I saw all of this a long time ago. The truth is, the people know that I'm just kidding. I didn't see all of this. I just saw step at the time. That's amazing to me. You know, we had no idea when we bought the land and we're having these uh, services at both locations that one day a Hispanic church pastored by a godly man, Roberto Villarreal, and his sons, uh, Robert and Reuben, work with him. And we had no idea that they would come along. And for two years, we shared the old downtown facility. Yeah, that was a great—I was. had dreaded that. And the truth is, while we would be in having worship, they were out in the halls praying for us while we were in worship. Those were two of the greatest years we ever had. Two of my best years. We learned a lot about the Lord, Dad, and we learned a lot about— about about how we could share those facilities with those people. And, you know, and one thing we learned, I think we already knew this, but we were just reminded, it doesn't matter. Nationality doesn't matter. The color of our skin doesn't matter. Economic status doesn't matter. Education level doesn't matter. Uh, we are all equal in God's eyes. And for us to be able to be together uh with people we really didn't even know, and in some cases with people we could not even communicate with. I remember one night uh, we had finished up our evening service, and they were getting ready to have their evening service, and I was kind of in the back behind the church there doing something, and I bumped into this guy. I'd never seen him, and I reached out my hand, and I said, my name's John, John Redmond. I said, my dad's the pastor here. 
And he said, well, my name's Robert Villarreal. My dad's the pastor here. And I said to him, well, you know, if both of our dads are pastor, that must mean we're brothers. And we are. We're brothers in Christ. And they have become some of our dearest friends. But again, we see the same theme that God leads us one step at a time. And and it looks like Dad is... You know, this time just keeps getting away from us here. We're going to have to do another broadcast later just to, to, to finish all this up. But I want to just say to that person out there listening today that you may feel that God is leading you to do something. And you don't know what's going to happen if you take that step. But I would encourage you, if you will take the step that God is leading you to take, God will make the next step clear. Norman Vincent Peale used to say it this way. He said, following the will of God is like following the beam of a flashlight on a forest trail. One step must be taken before the next step is illuminated. And as, as I've been talking to my dad here in the studio today, we've just seen that over and over and over again. God said, Charles, take a step of faith. Charles and Dottie, do this. They did it, and God honored it, and God made the next step clear. So today, take that step of faith, and God will bless you. Visit us on our website, peacebybelieving.org. We have some great resources that will be a blessing to you. God bless you, and have a good day.